Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. How does an R&D product line director lead the development of products and help to mentor product managers? Well, that's what I wanted to find out, and that's why I talked with our guest, Shankar Achanta. He has had a number of engineering product roles at Schweitzer Engineering Laboratories, which designs and manufactures products for the power industry. Shankar shares several tools for getting ideas for new products, along with practical tips for how product managers can frame their ideas and gain support from colleagues as well as leaders. And remember, if you hear anything you want to go back to, we take detailed notes for you. You'll find those at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 314, along with a one-page action guide to help you take action on the ideas shared. Shankar, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovator podcast. Well, thank you, Chad. It's a it's a pleasure and a privilege to be to be on your on your podcast. You are R and D engineering director and very much involved in product development. Tell us what is the what are the responsibilities that you have as an R and D engineering director? Yeah, absolutely. So with my within my role, I'm responsible for a large successful portfolio of products serving the global energy industry. So my role as an engineering director includes vision, strategy for my portfolio products, as well as executing the strategy by introducing right products at the right time. So I really enjoy leading product teams, which I've done most of my career over 15 years that have delivered new products, both for my organization as well as for the industry. It sounds like an aspect of that is portfolio management. When you talk about the right products at the right time, are you also involved in portfolio management? Yeah, absolutely. So the way the way we are organized, I mean, my team, I have the product development side as well as the product management teams as well that are involved in like the whole customer discovery, ideation, road mapping, um, as well as of course execution with the product development team. So, yep. Excellent. So a large portfolio of products to to, uh, manage and create new versions of and extensions. When it comes to actually doing that work of creating new products, or maybe we're enhancing the products, where where are you seeing the ideas predominantly come from, right? Are they like just inside R&D or other functions bring ideas in, customer research? How do you guys do that? Yeah, that's a that's a great great question, Chad. So, great ideas really come from anywhere in the organization, right? I mean, they come from sales. We we talk to customers, my product management team and my product product development teams. And recently, I've experimented with my team with an idea called like innovation framework. The core concept is really providing the teams at, at an extremely high level some very difficult problems that our customers are trying to solve and give them the freedom to create solutions for this. And this is really, this is a little bit different from concepts like hackathons that we've heard in the past, in a sense that the problem domains are, are kind of defined rather than just free form, I mean, coming up with some things with hackathons. So what, what was unique was I brought my product managers and product development leaders together to publish some of these, these problem domains that require solutions. And we taught them, hey, this is with all the research we've done with our customers and, and in the industry that we serve, 
these are the problems that are very difficult and our customers are trying to solve these and they, they're just living with what they have and, and, and give those domains, not really going into the solution space, but really opening that up, that problem domain that requires solutions. Mm-hmm. And we ran this experiment for three months. And I mean, the results were fascinating and and i mean i learned quite a bit than what i did before this experiment can you take us through that a little bit more what did that look like to do that for three months yeah that's so what we've done is with the product managers and and product development leaders we we published these problem domains and then kind of went through like the first step is hey this is open to everybody and go ahead and read these problem domains and understand them, ask us questions within the first one, two weeks, and then and then provide us a one-page abstract of all the solutions that you can come up with. And, and of course, we said, hey, you are free to form uh, these self-forming teams, a team size of five at the maximum, because uh, we said if it's bigger than that, it can get chaotic. So, and actually, to, to my surprise, I mean, a lot, I mean, there's a lot of participation and and they came up with these abstracts or or one page summaries of the of what they're thinking that they would they would come up with with this. And at the beginning itself, what we've said is, hey, yeah, when you come up with, with these abstracts, they will be approved or kind of not 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 kind of rejected uh, or rejected or approved based on what you're trying to to produce at the end of this experiment. Okay, so it sounds like the first part of this worked because your product managers and development managers, the development leads, they had pretty good insights into the problems that customers encounter. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the key. How, how do they come about that? Are they spending time with customers? Are they? Yeah, go and tell us how they do that. Yeah, so the the product managers and the product development leaders leaders actually engage with with our customers through through a variety of avenues, right? I mean, we go to conferences. We now with the COVID, I mean, it's all virtual, and we have one on one meetings with with the customers. We get input from the sales organization who travels quite a bit and engages with the customer. We get these ideas from uh, a variety of avenues, and and we compile the list of like problems that for a particular segment of the customer or even for a product line that is existing. Hey, I mean, this product is great, but these are the things that we would want uh, to add or enhance, right? And, and one example was, I mean, these sensor products that we have, there's a challenge because there's a wireless communication aspect to it. And when the sensor products are installed on the power lines, they need to have for wireless communication, you need that line of sight between the transmitter and the receiver. And of course, in the real world installations, you have trees and you have buildings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a, that's a problem, right? I mean, that we, we, we noticed and our, cust- our product managers, when they talked to our customers, they, they, they found that like, hey, yeah, the product is great. But once you install it, I mean, there's, there's this line of sight issues, if you will, for the communication, and that actually degrades the performance. And how do we solve that? I mean, that's one, one problem, right? And, and, and the other problem related to that is these devices that, that hang on the power line, they need to last for, uh, I mean, 20 plus years. I mean, because you install them and rolling a truck 
for for a power company's line crew it's expensive mm-hmm. so how do you how do you harvest power from these power lines and and translate that, that i mean use that power to do all the processing and communication radio communication and things like that yeah that's a bit involved so um cu- curious how you solved the line of sight problem well it was uh what we've done is really i mean i won't go into the details of this but really when we when we published this this as a problem domain one of our engineers actually came up with hey let's 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 look at repeating the signals using using a line powered repeater type device and and it was very clever when he came up with this and that's one of the one of the examples I'll share is in the fact that he and and, and a couple of engineers did not i mean they understood the problem and and kind of created this repeater solution that solved the problem without kind of uh, diluting the overall value proposition mm-hmm. because this repeater didn't have any batteries it was completely parasitically line powered from the power lines so that was that was the output of this innovation framework experiment that we ran actually and and going back to 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 the framework experiment itself once the the, the teams published these these abstracts if you if you will we we actually selected a few of them a subset of them and then we gave them 20% uh, of of the time every week to go explore this and and to my surprise i mean they spent way more than 20% on their own time right and to mm-hmm. to come up with with solutions and and not only that i expected that they'll have some kind of technical document or some some block diagrams and things like that for the solutions but actually they they put together with existing pieces of technology a, a crude prototype and that was very powerful for us yeah i bet so you can see actually how it works okay so the integration framework that's what you call this right uh, innovation framework. Uh, oh, sorry, innovation framework. I had integration. Okay, so innovation framework, getting uh, understanding the problem domain. So this is directed on the problems our customers have, which makes very good sense to me. And then the teams themselves are self-organizing and they're creating abstract solutions about how they might address. And then you're selecting some of those that you're going to, to pursue. What's the selection process like? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I was going to. Uh, talk about that. The the selection process is a combination of things. Hey, how practical is it to to kind of commercialize, right? And that's a big deal, right? You can you can come up with with a lot of things, and if you can't reasonably commercialize it and actually have the customers experience it and apply it, then there's no point in this. And the second aspect is how does it fit with the company strategy or strategic fit? I think we've solved that by just bounding the problem domain so i think those are the two two big uh, pieces and the third one is really yeah if those two things what's the effort to to get this get this done i mean if it's like if it takes like some fundamental breakthroughs in technology and it takes like 10 plus years to do this then it's it's really i mean i'm i'm not we're not very interested in that mm-hmm. right yeah, that might be something that you come back to in the future, depending on how things change. Absolutely. I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, 
you can have a higher performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at theeverydayinnovator.com/rpm. You you said the teams, the ideas that you select, you give them some time set aside to work on this and and then people ended up working more on their own time. But just to be part of the the innovation framework from the beginning, are people just encouraged to add this onto their normal work? Did you set aside time in the beginning to be part of it? Just wondering how you how you set that up. Yeah, that's a great great point, Chad, because we already have some established roadmaps that the teams are executing on, right? So the 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 first thing that I mean, once these ideas are approved, I mean they, they need to work with their product development leaders to see, hey, I mean, is twenty percent of the time can we can we do that within the within what we have, within the bounds of what I mean we're trying to execute on the existing roadmaps. And and of course, I mean, it's it's give and take, right? I mean, we need to we need to balance these things. But more, I mean, more often than not, what happened was, yeah, I think you can. I mean, this is so exciting. I think we need to, even if it means we slow down a little bit, the other things that we're doing. This is so so cool, so I mean, so innovative, and it actually solves a customer problem. I'm going to uh, move shuffle things a little bit to fit this in. And then really what it came down to is people didn't, I mean, people who are engaged in this, they didn't care about like their personal time versus what they're doing. I mean, they were spending, I mean, I have a guy who, who, who was working till like 10, 11 o'clock <laughs> for two days a week to, to get this going because mm. he wanted to, he wanted to, make that prototype within that three months and show it off as a, as a solution because three months is, is, was key for us because it bounds. It's a time bounded experiment. Okay. Yeah. It helps us time bound it. And then you, you know what you're doing for those three months. Uh, I've heard the 20% policy that Google had at one point was basically the same thing, right? That it wasn't so much that employees had an extra, you know, a day a week in their time to do their own innovation project that they just ate up more personal time <laughs> you know, getting the work done. But there's an incentive there to be able to create something new, which a lot of people, especially product managers, really gravitate to. Do you get customers involved again in, in what's being created and get their feedback? Yeah, no, absolutely. So once we have this this prototype, especially for this innovation framework that I was talking about, and that crude early prototype, we we have we engage with customers and also the salespeople who talk to customers and 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 kind of sit down. Of course, these customers are like they they fall into the innovator category in that crossing the chasm curve, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they give us that that feedback, like, hey, you know what? I mean, this is. Uh, this is something that that I would love to to pilot or try or well I mean it would be great to have this 
change a little bit. I don't like this part of it because it doesn't fit with the workflow that I'm going through and whatnot. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And we don't, we 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 didn't like engage with like a lot of customers because of the, I mean, the time bound. I mean, we got that early uh, customer feedback, if you will, on these ideas. Yeah. And we had like upfront research that we've done already on the on the problem domain. So. Good. Yeah, it's really good to get the customer insights because we have an understanding of the problem. Then we work on a solution to that problem, but we need to validate with the customer still that that solution actually creates value and we didn't miss something else along the way. Okay, thanks for going through that with us. Outside of this innovation framework, or maybe maybe here too, this is a three-month sort of focused activity to explore problems and find new solutions for customers. What about other times where a product manager is still doing the same sort of work, right? The product manager is engaged with the customer. They have a new idea. They want to share that. They want to get some momentum going with a a team. Does that happen inside R&D? How do product managers kind of share ideas and try to get attention to them? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I, I ask my product managers to go about this is, and the product leaders too, is thinking like a scientist essentially you have an you have a hypothesis and and the hypothesis is really my idea solves problem a by creating this solution b for this problem c a, a, for this customer persona right and that's your hypothesis you fill in the blanks i mean write the, the write that down or or document it and then you 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 start to understand and document these assumptions. Mm-hmm. Is the problem that I identified really a problem? Does my proposed solution solve the problem? Does the customer persona that I've assumed for this want this problem to be solved? Because if, if the customer doesn't want this problem to solve, I mean, it's a wasted effort, right? And if so, are they willing to pay for this? And more importantly, are they willing to switch from their existing solution if there's an alternate solution, because uh, a lot of cases there are switching costs that become the barrier for any new technology adoption, and and that's how I've, I've always asked asked my product managers to to go about. I mean, framing an idea or coming up with now. There's also the other way, the other side where there's some innovative. Uh, there's an invention that happens within. It comes from within. And that nobody was asking for, and you go in and like, okay, wow, I mean, this solves this problem that nobody was asking, and and there's that aspect of that as well. But in general, I like to to have my product managers and product development leaders go through this like thinking like a scientist approach, mm-hmm. and and then once you once you uh, you have these documented, you review this idea of the problem statement, and and first look at if it aligns with company strategy. And, and, and more importantly, show the connection to the overall company strategy or strategic fit, right? And that's extremely important to, to get the stakeholder buy-in from the executive, executive level. Yeah, go to that a little bit more for us. So I, I really appreciate the thinking like a scientist taking us through, you know, is this actually a problem? Do we have a solution to the problem that the customer cares about? Is this a solution they're willing to pay for, especially if they have to switch to, to what we're doing as opposed to what they have now? And then the strategic fit. So product managers need to frame the this solution for a customer in a way that is going to try to get some attention from so they can get resources put on it. And that's 
also in the context of we have other projects going on at the same time that also need resources. How do you see this, your more successful product managers doing that framing? When you, when you talk about strategic fit, what are they doing? Yeah, so the, we have different tools that we use, right? So there's already projects in the pipeline, I mean, and projects that are active that the pro- product managers are, are very familiar with because we're executing these roadmaps that are, I mean, that already got approved and uh, they're connected to the strategic fit. Now, if there's a new idea that, that comes up, we have to make the, the, the choice of either displacing what we're doing or slowing something down or putting it in the back backlog and, and getting that through, right? And, and each of these ideas, I mean, whether it's product or product enhancement, the way we look at it is we have the company strategy. And then for my division, I write my own, this, this document at the beginning of the year, once the plants are all rolled out, hey, this is where we fit in. This is what we need to do when we translate the company strategy and the plans and whatnot. This is what that means for our group. Now, any ideas that come from these product lines, how are they connected connected to this to to take us forward and and still having that strategic fit? So once we have that discussion, it becomes much more because, for example, the product portfolio that I that I'm responsible are for distribution power systems. Right, mm-hmm. and if someone comes up and says, "Hey, I want to do something uh, for generator or generation plants or something," it, it, it'll. Be, I mean, I'll listen to that and I'll discuss that. But there's other teams that are actively, I mean, have more knowledge and whatnot, and will probably pass that idea to that team to look at. But it won't fit into like what I'm trying to do. It's not. It's not really trying to be rigid, but it's it's being very clear and have a goal. Uh, for for the for the portfolio of products that I'm responsible for. Yeah, we, we have to balance. It sounds like there's that regular planning cycle where we're we might say we're doing deliberate strategy planning, and you know f- framing what it is that we need to do as an organization, especially from your perspective of the R and D department. And then there's also the emergent ideas that come up that you are. A, still taking into account, and as you said, evaluating, does that mean that we have to displace something that is already planned? We're going to slow something down and having the flexibility to accommodate that, which sounds purposefully driven as opposed to sometimes we just get in the mode of turning on new projects and everything suddenly slows down a lot because we're not really being thoughtful about how that impacts our existing work. Absolutely. And one of the, I have the the privilege of, and I'm blessed to have these product lines that are mature product lines that bring a lot of revenue and also these new routes or new newer product lines that are still in their infancy, right? So the way I've approached this is for those mature product lines that we know that the, the business risk is low, I am, I am okay to, to go in and invest and and kind of follow this hey traditional waterfall model if you will right mm-hmm. not exactly that but hey yeah i mean i can i can have little bit bigger budgets to go in and 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 keep the product line going with enhancements and improvements and whatnot uh, i'm fine with that but for these new routes it's kind of like pay as you go right mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm very specific about like hey Feature by feature, you're going to release this and test the test the customer base and, and generate some revenue, and then again it goes back into the into the investment for that newer and they grow. It's kind of like pay as you go 
mm-hmm. type approach. How do you do the pay as you go when projects need more resources up front? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I think there's definitely you need some critical mass to get something going. Mm-hmm. And that's given, right? I mean, hey, yeah, this is, of course, if we're starting something new, uh, you need some critical mass, a set of, I mean, engineers, product manager, uh, project managers, and, and, and whatnot, the team, right? And and when we evaluate these these ideas, you need to you need to make sure that, like, hey, who are your pilot customers? Who are who is buying this, and and how many are they buying this, right? With this idea, before you just jump ahead and kind of put. Uh, a lot of lot of features before you release that first product mm-hmm. because that can that'll not only slow down adoption but also you would be missing you might be missing this it's the 80 20 rule right i mean only 20 percent of the features get used by 80 percent of the customers or right. uh, something like that so we're very careful with that with that with that thinking there okay. for the newer product lines yeah so is that an mvp sort of approach yeah, I think I would say, I mean, I want to be careful when I say minimum viable product, it's misunderstood. I mean, I would say, I would I would kind of rephrase that saying minimum valuable product, right? It's when, when you say MVP, people, the developmental teams, hey, what is viable for me? Right. It, no, it's, 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 really, it's really for the customer. Mm-hmm. What is it that is valuable and, and viable for the customer? Yeah, I, I always define it exactly the same way. You know, what, what do we need to do to bring value to the customer in the minimum way that we can? Okay, this is good. W- one last question just about the, the getting the support from the executive team, the ideas. Uh, I've seen uh, different organizations respond in different ways to how that is positioned. Some org- organizations really like the story that wraps around the idea and you know conveying how this is going to help specific customers and what we know about that already. Some are looking for a lot of data to support the decision. What do you see that that works in your organization? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's. I would say it's a mix of both. So we're very engineering centric organization, very much so. I would say, and we look at data and we look at business cases. We look at like the return on investment for the development dollars and whatnot. But also, I mean, there's there's things where I've been uh, extremely happy where these great ideas come from anywhere. And they get approved so fast, hmm. right? I mean, it's like it's amazing. There's there's this myth where it's it's very difficult to get pro- projects approved and 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 innovate in large organizations. It's just a lot of, I mean, a lot of layers. And actually, that's a myth. I mean, what I've learned, and and I can share an example recently. Sure. And we're we're actually looking at building a product. It's called a controller for distribution power systems, and essentially. It controls a switch that turns on and off and to improve the, the power quality for for the customers, the industries and whatnot, right? And we're looking at this with the product management team and the product development team and like we're trying to enhance an existing product. And we sat through, we're looking at this and yeah, we can add some of these. We did the research and whatnot. Yeah, there's some features we can add to this and make it even better and, and generate revenue. And then we brought in a couple of engineers and we're looking at this and, and, and one of the engineers said, Hey, I mean, I think there's, I think the, the whole system has this controller and, and, and some cables connecting to the, to the power lines that have these 
sensors installed on them, the big cables, right? And he was looking at this and we're thinking, thinking, and then, hey, why do we need these cables? Why can't we just communicate using wireless technology? And the product management team like looked looked at them. It's like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, we don't make those. I mean, those sensors are made by someone else and we just need to make this box. And and I, and I paused and we, we we had a lot of discussion. I mean, we spent like four or five hours. And and what what came out of that was, well, yeah, I mean, bringing these people together with different backgrounds, even the developer who was, who was building the product and who was bringing him into, into the conversation with the product management team, it opened up. We're looking at this as a whole system. And then eventually what we did was, yeah, we can make a sensor that, that eliminates these cables. And, and not only that, this engineer was so excited, spent two weeks and built a rapid prototype and that prototype became my PowerPoint presentation, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no PowerPoint, nothing. We went all the way to the exec team and they looked at it. I mean, all of them are engineers in our company and mm-hmm. it's, it's very engineering driven. And wow, I mean, it got approved. And not only that, uh, the executive gave support throughout the process and it became a product. And <laughs> interestingly enough, the product team found the social media a video on a social media where one of our customers, the time it took to install the existing solution, it was like two or three days. I mean, rolling uh, trucks and working with the high voltage equipment and whatnot. And when when they saw this and, and our solution eliminated all of that stuff, you just hang these sensors with hot sticks or and then and then you put the controller box and they talk to each other and do their job mm-hmm. right and and the whole i mean a big step was eliminated with this with this in innovation and our customers i mean really love the product and it's 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 taking off i mean so this is one example where like yeah we had some data on the on the idea and we did the, our homework but we went beyond just just our box, if you will, and and looked at the whole whole solution and and kind of created new value. Now we're not the product and the solution that we introduce is not really a me too product. It's uh it's really like it adds a lot of value. It eliminates a lot of steps and makes the life of our customer much more easy. Yeah, and it sounds like the key activity that that got you there was taking the time to bring in people with different backgrounds and think about the problem not the same way it always had been thought about and give the opportunity to people to kind of push back a little bit about, well, maybe there's a better way we could do this. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if we didn't do that, we could have just built like an enhancement of the existing product. So mm-hmm. I think that's the key. You you said it very well, right? I mean, bringing that diverse set of skill sets into the room and sitting and talking about like, what is the problem that the customer is trying to solve? Can we open this up? Then what the scope that we're thinking, looking at it at the system level. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing all the information too about your innovation framework and how you encourage ideas to solve specific problems. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. What do you have for us and what does it mean to you? Yeah, and throughout this conversation, I think one thing really that throughout my career, leading product teams and product managers, the quote that I like is, engage early and iterate often. Engage early with your customers and 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 don't stop there once you release your first product mm-hmm. you you iterate often because 
the customer needs are changing. There's a lot of things happening. Their jobs are changing. There's new competition coming in. The technology is is evolving. So I really like that because it's simple. It's short. It's a, you can easily uh, memorize that or remember that. Engage early and iterate often. It's really good. Uh, uh, yep. And that's that's what I like a lot. Yeah. And as an engineering driven company, still recognizing the importance of engaging with the customer and trying to solve the customer's actual problem. Thank you for sharing that one with us. For people that want to find out more just about uh, you, make, reach out to you, the work that you're involved in, how can they do that? Well, it's, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and this year has been very difficult to a lot of, lot of people. And my wife and I go uh, on walks during weekends and get some coffee uh, in the downtown. And it was, mm-hmm. I mean, we're doing that for quite uh, many years, and it was disheartening to see that the coffee place uh, was out of business because of because of the pandemic, mm. and and what I I want to give back. I mean, I come with a lot of experience building new teams, building new new product lines, helping SS ideas and enable growth of an idea. So and also when you look at the news, a lot of businesses folded. I mean, they went under, right? I mean, small businesses. So I co-founded a company called Apex Specialist. Really, the idea is to analyze, position, and expand, help help with those aspects for small businesses and making sure that they're, they're on track. And I give free consultation. I mean, people can find me. It's apexspecialist.com. They can book my time and I can help them with strategy or analyzing business, positioning their products, and expanding their their businesses beyond where they are. So that's something that I want to give back. That's wonderful. I will make sure the link is in the show notes to that, apexspecialist.com, and also to your LinkedIn profile. That's very generous to help others uh, think through some of the product uh, decisions that need to be made, and you using your experience to do that. Shankar, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Chad. It was a pleasure talking talking to you, and it's an honor to be on your podcast. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you can create those products that customers will love and love you for. You'll find all of the discussion that we had with Shankar at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 314 in detailed notes for you there to go back to or to share with another colleague. Hope you check it out. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.